Well, good morning, Christ Point. How are you doing this morning? Fantastic. I want to welcome those who are watching at home online. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It is great to have you. I want to encourage our kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, you are dismissed. Uh, parents, if you are wondering, hey, where are they going? Uh, they are going to the chapel. They'll be back at the end of the service. I know the kids look forward to that each and every week. I know Wes and Jody and their team do a great job uh, with our kids. It is great to have them. Uh, who here loves their phone? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to give you statistics about how much time we spend on our phone. Just do you like your phone? Like your phone? Great. Well, I'm going to give you three opportunities to use it this morning. Three opportunities to use your phone this morning. Go ahead and pull it out. Everyone pull out your phone. Uh, you get to take a picture, which we all love, not of yourself, but of the QR code that's on your table or on your seat. If you take a picture of that QR code, it looks a little something like this. It'll take you to an online form. You can fill it out if you're looking to take a next step here at Christ Point. That's the best way to do that. We'd love to know if you're new that you were here this morning. If you've been walking with us for a while but want to take your next step, I would encourage you to do that as well. Secondly, if you could pull out your phones, if you have them out, go to the version app. Who here has a version app? Anyone? Anyone? Show of hands. Very good. Very good. If you don't have the version app, go to the App Store, download version. If you click on version, there's a picture of it there. It's circled. Uh, click on version. It's going to take you to a home page. On that home page, there's in the bottom right-hand corner, there's uh, three little boxes. Uh, if you click on those three little boxes, you'll have a bunch of options. And one of those options will be events. Uh, you'll see events up on the screen will be circled. I think there's an arrow uh, pointing at it. Uh, click on that, and it's going to take you to uh, another screen. The churches in this area that use the version app uh, are listed there. You can click on uh, Christ Point, our, our name. Uh, this is for all those folks who uh, went to church when they used to give out a half sheet of paper uh, where you could fill in the blanks. We don't have those anymore. We have apps. And so you can follow along on Sunday morning with a message if you click on our church. Uh, we are in the number one position. We've really been making a move lately. And so we're, we're number one. Uh, nothing against you know, Harvest or Hope or whatever. Those are great churches too, but <laughs> we're number one. Uh, the reason that we're number one is because uh, if you do that when you're close to the barn, it's going to bring up whatever church you're closest to. So they don't... They don't rank the churches. Last time I did this, we were number two, and I was disappointed because I did it from my house, and I was like, what did we do to deserve that? We should be number one. Uh, it's all location-based, but click, click on Christ Point, and, uh, and you can follow along. Uh, third, uh, if you have your phones and do not have the Church Center app, the Church Center app, I would encourage you to go to the App Store and uh, click on that Church Center app. It's going to ask you for some information if you haven't yet registered. Uh, if you are registered, then it's going to take you to our church homepage, uh, and you can click on a button. You can give, you can uh, find out about how to get connected to a group, uh, or you could find out, like, what are the events that are coming up in the days ahead? Uh, maybe you're wondering, what are the events that are coming up in the days ahead? Because, James, we don't really pay close attention when you're doing announcements. In fact, we tuned out two and a half minutes ago. I get it. That's fine. Pull out your phone, Church Center app, click on events. And I'm going to tell you about two real quick. Uh, next Friday, Good Friday event, uh, we are going to be outside at 7 p.m. It's going to be a little chilly, but that's okay. Uh, bring a warm sweatshirt or a jacket. We're going to be outside uh, right in front of the chapel. Um, and then on Easter Sunday, uh, we are going to meet here at 10, right, 10 a.m. What time do we normally uh, meet? 
uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, 10, 1030. And so this is different. This is different. Are those, are those children or geese? Okay, I just want to make sure because I don't want to call anyone out. I know if that's your kid and you're a mom or dad, you're like, oh, they're making a bunch of noise. It's just farm animals. We're meeting in a barn. Um, Easter Sunday, 10 a.m., the service will start after the service on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have stuff for the kids. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt and hay rides, and just the church family is going to hang out together. One quick word about that, um, and this is true every week, but particularly that week, it's a great time to ask people who aren't currently connected to a local church, um, say, hey, come to, come to Christ Point on Easter Sunday. The service starts at 10. Invite them uh, here if they're not currently connected. And then when they come, and this is just, if you're a guest this morning, this isn't for you. This is for, uh, for the rest of you. Uh, be nice. All right? Just, just be nice. If you were to invite someone over to your home, and they were to come and open up the front door, and they were like standing there, you might take their jacket or offer them something to drink or say, hey, have a seat at the table. Here are some appetizers. Um, let's do that next week. Let's, let's be nice uh, to our guest. And so if you see someone you don't know, welcome them and say, hello, I'm glad that you're here. Um, any other announcements that I may have missed? Ducks, you want to add anything? Okay, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm going <laughs> to read Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 53, and then I'm going to pray. Uh, and you can pray for you, and you can pray for me. Uh, but I want to read Isaiah chapter 53 first. Uh, Isaiah 53, we've been walking through on Sunday mornings. Uh, the first real half of Isaiah 53, chapters 1 through 39, uh, warn God's people that they're going to be exiled. Uh, there's some folks that are going to come into town, namely the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and they're going to uh, defeat them, and they're going to send them away from home. And so they're going to be in exile, and then they're going to come back. And when they come back, Isaiah really 40 through 66 is looking forward to the coming of uh, what Isaiah says, the servant, or as we know, we know him as Jesus, the Messiah. And so Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1, uh, reads, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with a wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Let's pray. 
why don't you take a moment and pray for you. Uh, you pray uh, for you. You pray that God would uh, give you eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart uh, to receive his word. Pray that God this morning uh, might change you. Uh, if you could, pray for me. I pray that God would grant to me clarity that I might be uh, helpful uh, for you and that I would handle God's word well. Uh, God, we thank you for the great joy and privilege that we have to gather together as your people. I uh, thank you that you've spoken to us through your Son and by your Spirit. I uh, thank you that you've given to us your living and active word that you still use today um, to change hearts and lives. I pray that you would do that this morning as we open up your word. Help us to, uh, to think about your son Jesus and the sacrifice uh, that he made on our behalf. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want us to think together about how one man's murder uh, changed the life of another man. I want us to think together about the, how the murder of one man uh, changed another man's life uh, forever. And I want to do that by noting three observations from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 9. Uh, three observations, and I want to tell you a story about a man's life who was changed uh, through and by this text. All right, so Isaiah chapter 59, the first thing that we notice together, and just three observations, you, you can see these just as well as I can, is that Jesus uh, suffered in silence. It's the first observation that Jesus uh, suffered in silence. Verse 7 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, uh, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus, Scripture tells us, was oppressed and afflicted. Uh, the word oppressed is used of a taskmaster. Uh, it, is, it is used of someone who would use and abuse slaves. Uh, the image, in many ways, uh, refers back or looks back to the way the Egyptians uh, treated God's people in the Old Testament uh, when they were uh, under slavery. Uh, think back to the, the book of Exodus. It, it describes um, how the Egyptians treated God's people. Uh, in the book of Exodus, it says, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, uh, and they built uh, store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, it's talking about God's people, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So th this picture that's uh, painted for us is the same way that Isaiah, the prophet, speaks of, of Jesus or the servant being oppressed. There were high demands on his life. There were burdens from brutal work. Um, there was no relief for the Son of God. Oppression uh, marked his life. A scripture says that Jesus was oppressed and he was afflicted. Uh, the word afflicted implies humiliation or being brought low or being treated with contempt or shaming, belittling, scorn, jest, mockery, ridicule. You get the picture. Uh, Jesus came to this earth uh, to suffer. 
In fact, when you look at the life of Christ, there really in many ways are two things that marked his life. On one hand, there was suffering, and on the other hand, there was glory, right? Suffering and glory. We have a tendency to be a glory people. Like, we, we like the glory part of the story. Uh, we do not like the suffering part of the story. And the same is true for our lives as well. Right? Oftentimes, a life is marked by suffering uh, with the hope of glory. Uh, but if you're anything like me, uh, when the suffering comes, we say uh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and yet, uh, the life of Jesus, the one that we follow, the one that we trust, the one that we believe in, uh, his life uh, was marked by suffering, oppression and affliction. The scripture says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Right? So Jesus is essentially on uh, his death march. He has not been uh, killed or crucified uh, yet, but the picture here is that Jesus is on his way. Right? He is a dead man walking. And you notice, uh, as he neared the end of his life, how Jesus responded. I'm blown away every time I read this. I really am. It, it says that, that Jesus, when he was accused, when he was afflicted, did not open his mouth. It's, it says it two times. Right? Two times for emphasis. Have you ever been wronged before? Have you ever been wronged? Have you ever had someone say something about you that wasn't true? Anyone accuse you of doing something that you didn't do? Anyone ever point a finger in your direction and say, uh, what do you have to say for yourself? Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been accused? How do you uh, respond? Oftentimes, we want to set the record straight, do we not? Like we want to we tell our side of the story. We want to make sure there are no misunderstandings. We want to make sure that we right the wrongs. Maybe, maybe you want justice, true justice. You want people to know the truth, right? You want justice to prevail. You want your good name uh, to be cleared. Right? You, you step up and you go, that's not how it went. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. You want to defend yourself. It's, it's natural. Right? Imagine for a moment that you are driving on the highway. Uh, and you are driving 65 miles per hour uh, because no one who attends Christ Point speeds. Nobody does that I know of. Some of those other churches that were on the Version app, they've got speeders at their church, but not here. We all go the speed limit. So you're going the speed limit, 65 miles per hour and not a mile uh, too fast, not one mile per hour too fast. And you look in your rearview mirror, and behind you, you see a car who is speeding. Right? They likely do not know the Lord. And they are fast, <laughs> it's a joke. They are fast approaching your car. Right? And you know this because they're closing the gap. And as they come alongside of your vehicle, you look up and off to the side of the road and you see him. There he is to save the day. It is a police officer. And you think to yourself, God, you are a God of justice. And I am so grateful that this Yahoo is going to get what he deserves. I am so grateful that he is going to get a ticket. And sure enough, you look in the rearview mirror and the lights turn on. 
And you're like, oh, he's going to get what's coming to him. He's going to get what's coming to him. And the police officer takes off and speeds up, right? And he's, and he's closing fast, except for the fact, instead of catching up with a car that was going 85 miles per hour, the police officer pulls behind you. He's pulling you over. And he pulls you off to the side of the road, and you put your hands on 10 and 2, and the police officer is approaching your vehicle and you roll down the window and the officer peeks in with his aviator sunglasses and he says to you, you in a hurry? What do you say? What do you respond? How do you respond? Everything within you wants to say, officer, you've got the wrong guy. Right? You've got the wrong gal. It was the person next to me who was speeding. I was not speeding. Like, it's human nature to want to defend ourselves, particularly when we've been wronged. We want to set the record straight. But have you ever just blown away by the way that Jesus responded when he came before authorities who were accusing him of doing something that he did not do? Matthew chapter 26, verses 62 and 63 says, At the mock trial in the middle of the night at Caiaphas' house, when Jesus was accused by false witnesses, the high priest said, Do you make no answer? What is this that these men are testifying against you? And Jesus was silent. Mark chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 say, Then later, early in the morning, Pilate said to Jesus, in the Roman headquarters, do you make no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Luke 23, verse 9, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, and Luke tells us that Herod questioned him at some length, but he answered nothing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 reads, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Every time I read this story, there's this part of me that wants to cry out and say, Jesus, say something, right? Defend yourself. Set the record straight. They're accusing you of doing something you did not do. You're innocent, right? I want Jesus to unleash fury on them. I have this picture in my mind of Jesus being the quiet, unassuming man in the corner of the restaurant when the bad guys come in in a movie, right, looking to pick a fight, and they go over to the corner, and they don't know the guy sitting in the corner there sitting quietly is actually a superhero, right? They don't know he's special forces. They don't know he could single-handedly take down the world if he wanted to, but I love in the movies when that happens, but that didn't happen here. Jesus stood in front of his accusers, and he uh, was silent. Jesus uh, accepted, accepted the plan of his father. He accepted the plan of his father. Jesus was the silent sufferer. Uh, secondly, notice that Jesus died. It says in verse 8, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Jesus died. It says he was cut off out of the land of the living. He was struck down for the transgression of 
His people, of my people, Scripture says. That means that Jesus died uh, for us. Jesus died for His sons and daughters. For, for our sins, for our transgression. Uh, Jesus died for my sins and He died for yours. Our pride, or our lust, or our envy, or our comparison, or our jealousy, or our ill-spoken uh, words, or our desire to control, our desire to be in charge. Jesus uh, died for us, uh, for our sins. Which is amazing to think about. Like when, when God grips you over your sin, and, and you know that Jesus, the Savior of the world, um, paid the penalty, took the punishment uh, upon himself uh, for you, um, that blows you away. I mean, how amazing, how beautiful. What, what's amazing about this is this sacrifice that Jesus made, uh, apparently uh, people during his day and age uh, really didn't give much of a second thought. They didn't think about it. They didn't ponder it. It, it says in verse uh, 8, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living? The word consider means to ponder or to meditate, like to think upon the sacrifice of Jesus. I have to admit to you, I don't, I don't know if we do this well in the church. Let me rephrase that. I don't know if I do this well. Right? We, we are a resurrection people, and we are. Like we, we should celebrate the life that we have uh, because of Jesus. We love Easter Sunday, uh, but we don't naturally gravitate toward Good Friday. Right? I mean, if we're going to hit one of those services, more than likely, we're going the Easter route. Good Friday feels heavy. Good Friday feels weighty. I've never met anyone that loves going to a funeral. Right? And yet, um, what makes the good news about Jesus so beautifully compelling uh, is that he gave his life for us, for you and for me. You see, uh, Jesus was the silent sufferer. Uh, Jesus came and died for our sins. Uh, third observation, Jesus was buried. It says, And they made his grave with a wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Uh, the death of Jesus was, uh, was, was not a peaceful death. It was not a peaceful death. Uh, some, sometimes as we grieve the loss of a loved one, we find ourselves uh, saying things like he or she um, died peacefully or they, they didn't suffer right? or they were surrounded by family or loved ones. None of those things is true about the death of Jesus. Right? Jesus did suffer. His death was not a, a peaceful one. And Jesus, uh, after being killed after being murdered was buried. They, they made his grave, it says, with the wicked next to the criminals, shady characters, the scoundrels in society, the people that uh, you wouldn't necessarily want to be caught hanging around with. Right? That, that was Jesus while he was on 
uh, the cross next to the criminals. Uh, but, but even here, there is a glimmer of hope. And even in, in verse 9, did, did you catch it? It says in, in verse 9, And they made the grave with a wicked and with a rich man in his death. What, what's cool here is there's, there's this glimmer of hope uh, because Jesus wasn't buried with uh, the criminals that were crucified next to him. Instead, we read in the Gospel of Matthew that there was a rich man named Joseph who was one of the disciples of Jesus. And Joseph took the body of Jesus and laid it in his own new tomb. He, he wanted to give Jesus an, an honorable uh, barrier, a burial. And so he took the body and and, and purchased a, a tomb. So we see glimmers of hope even in Isaiah chapter 53, this very heavy text about the sacrifice of Jesus. We read about how Jesus suffered in silence. We, we read about how Jesus died and how he was uh, buried. And, and we certainly should ponder uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. But I told you this morning that I wanted to make three observations about his death, and then I wanted to point to someone whose life uh, was changed uh, by this text. See, this text, Isaiah 53, in fact, all of Scripture, is not simply a story that took place in history. It did. It is historical. It did take place. But it's not something for you and me to simply read and not ponder or think about. Um, God wants us to do something with his word. He wants us to do something with His Word. He wants us to respond to His Word. He doesn't want us just to simply read it and think to ourselves, well, that's interesting. He doesn't simply want us to read His Word and study it and hold it up to the light and go, huh, I didn't know that before. Although that's good and helpful. He wants us to take His words and apply them uh, to our lives. And so I want to show you how one man applied this text to his life and how his life was changed forever. Uh, he's not with us this morning. Uh, however, his story is recorded in Acts chapter 8. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And I want to look beginning in verse 26. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 26, Jesus has come, he's lived, he's died, he's been raised to life. Uh, the church in the book of Acts is spreading. Right? People are sharing the good news about Jesus People are believing and following him. And so Acts chapter 8 is a story about someone who heard about Jesus and his life was changed. And I want to read it to you. It says, Now an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip. Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, this is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official, of uh, Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. You see the picture? There's a man who's reading the word. It's Ethiopian, he's reading the word, but he doesn't understand what he's reading. He's reading it, he's in the word, but he needs someone to come 
help explain the word to him. So God's spirit moves in Philip and he's like, I want you to go have a conversation uh, with someone about what it is exactly they are reading. So Philip uh, goes up to the man, he comes over and he sits with him. And look at verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34 says, And then the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him uh, the good news about Jesus. Um, Isaiah 53 in scripture as a whole is a story about Jesus. This passage that we read this morning, uh, that we talked about this morning, is a passage of scripture that one man read uh, and his life was changed forever. Um, by the way, um, this is the great joy that you and I have as followers of Jesus. Uh, we get to come alongside people with the living and active word of God and say, hey, do you know what that means? Uh, can I share it with you? And sometimes uh, God sees fit uh, to change someone's life forever. Uh, he did this man, uh, perhaps he has done it in your life as well. Um, this news that we read about in Isaiah chapter 53 is good news. It is good news about Jesus. That's what Philip said. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. Um, there, there is never a time in your life or in my life when we don't need to go back to the good news about Jesus. Uh, sometimes when we hear the good news, the gospel about Jesus, we think it's something that we simply believe in a moment in time, and then we kind of move past it. We say, oh yeah, I, I heard that when I was a kid, or I believed that when I was a kid, or I checked that box when I was a kid, but the gospel doesn't work that way. Um, we, as the people of God, we continue uh, to go back to the gospel, the good news about Jesus, because we need to hear it each and every day. Uh, we need to hear it when we fall short of our commitments and we uh, struggle uh, to make that good and lasting change. Uh, we need to hear the good news about Jesus when uh, we think that our hope uh, before God is the work that we do for Him and not the work that He's done for us. We need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to hear it when our fickle hearts uh, follow after lesser things. Uh, we need to hear the good news when uh, we move closer to the finish line in life and not the starting line. Uh, we need to hear it uh, when uh, the world around us is oftentimes inundated and filled with bad news. We're desperate for good news. And the good news is that good news has come. And the good news is that Christ uh, died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures and that he was buried, uh, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Uh, life is offered uh, to you and to me through Jesus. Uh, and that, that 
is really good news. Uh, may you receive it and believe it this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for uh, the good news about Jesus, uh, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life, and uh, he died and was buried, and he rose again. Thank you for the life that we have uh, because of him. Uh, thank you for your word. Thanks for Isaiah, written 700 years before uh, Jesus showed up on the scene, and yet we read it, and it so clearly uh, points us uh, to our Savior. God, thanks so much that you're still uh, giving us good news today. We desperately need it, and so we thank you for it. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. Uh, don't forget that next Friday, this coming up Friday, uh, is our Good Friday service. It's going to be, again, over at the chapel. And then Easter Sunday is at what time? There's no hope. I just heard a 6 a.m. Uh, it's a sunrise service. Russ will be here, but no one else. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you next Friday or next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless.